Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted, social distancing style from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you from our remote locations, as we have been for the last few weeks, previewing the NFL draft. And this will be our last episode previewing the draft, Wes, because the NFL draft is almost here. Man, boy, do we need it to get here too, right? I mean, <laughs> that's right. The, the thing that's funny where you, you do this intro where you mentioned the social distancing, this is just the way it is right now. I mean, it's not yeah. the addition. It's like, um, you ever, did you watch, you probably were a little too old for Saved by the Bell, I'm guessing, right? They oh, did, I'm aware of it. Saved yeah. by the Bell, they did like the summer session where they like went off and they were all working at like a resort. <laughs> it wasn't the traditional. That's what this kind of feels like right now. It's not our typical season. It's like a special, like an after school special that we've been doing here now for three weeks. Yeah, it's starting to feel a little bit more normal, but I guess we'll just uh, we'll keep on keeping on, as we like to say. Well, with this being our final draft preview edition before we will actually have some Green Bay Packers draft picks to talk about. Wes, I promised you at the end of last show, I was going to throw out some of the, the hypotheticals, the questions we've been getting from fans over the last several weeks in Insider Inbox. We'll share our opinions on some of them. So I'm just going to start with this one. Pretty straightforward. Packers are sitting at number 30 in the first round. Do you think they sit and pick, trade up, or trade down? What do you think come Thursday night? So I was talking with my dog about this the other day and I was, kind of, I was sort of mentioning like, okay, Kevin, what Kevin, if, what, Kevin chiming happen? in here. Yeah. No, but I, I was, I was really thinking long and hard about this. And the way I ended up breaking it down is I think there's a 50% chance they move up a 30% chance they move back and a 20% chance they stay and pick at 30. Now it depends really? on, on which way you look at this thing, right? Certain train of thought, school of thought. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a historian. I only I know what I know based on what has happened in the past. And Brian Gutekunst has moved around a lot in the first round these past two years. So that's why I put it at 50%. I also wonder, well, are they due to pick at 30? Well, if that's the case, are they due to traf, you know, trade out of the first round? So all these different scenarios are on the table. I've said this all along. One of the great things about Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, you have no idea what he's doing. Do that I think, is the truth. Do I think the Packers are going to take a quarterback in the first round? No, but he's <laughs> not going to go out there and say that to everybody. He wants everyone to think, all right, he will do what he feels is best. And you, can, if you're number 31, you're number 32, you're the first pick in the second day, you can't be confident that, okay, well, this is what Brian Gutekunst is going to do. I think there's a lot for, to be said for that. Now, that being said, in these mock drafts I've been doing, I haven't been trying to work trades that aren't going to happen uh, I have sure. been picking at 30 and in the three simulations I've done, all three of them had a nice crop of prospects available there. So that makes it conceivable. The Packers could pick at 30. It also makes it conceivable that they could trade back a little bit and try to get some more value. The reason though, Mike, that I said the 50% thing, I do wonder if there's a prospect, if there's a Darnell Savage, if there's a Jair Alexander that Brian Gutekunst loves, does he pull the trigger to go up and get that guy? See, that's interesting because your percentages, you put the greatest percentage on Gutekunst trading up from 30. And out of the three options, I actually think that that's the least likely, not because uh, certainly Gutekunst has proven he will move around the board. And, and I don't, I don't uh, discount that at all. But just because of the draft capital the Packers have, it just seems to me that it would be really, really costly 
as far as what they would lose, whether it's a second round pick, a third round pick in order to move up from that 30 spot that I, I put trading up as the least likely. I think trading down actually is the most likely um, 50% scenario likely? here. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to put my percentages on. I'll leave that to you. I'll leave that to you. But no, I, if I were to, if I were to say the most likely thing, I, I think it's going to be a trade down. I, I think the Packers board might look pretty strong at number 30, where if he can find a trade partner at 34, 35, 36, something like that, and pick up an extra, say an extra fourth round pick for an early pick on Saturday, and then still be able to get a guy in the mid thirties that he really, really likes that that's something that I see as, as, as being pretty likely. But as you said, Wes, we don't know what Brian Gutekunst is going to do. I mean, heck, before he made his first draft pick as general manager, he made two trades. He was at 14 and he traded back to 27. Then he traded up to 18 and <laughs> took Jair Alexander. So anything and everything is on the table here for that pick at number 30. So yeah. you, ready for, you ready for question number two? I am. I just want to tell okay. a quick little story going okay. back to two years ago when they took Jair Alexander. I use that if, if you, the Green Bay you know, media were allowed to go up when we are at Lambeau Field and go get some food. As soon as Gutekunst traded out of 14, I was going upstairs to grab a taco. And then certainly, you know, a couple minutes later then, or whatever it was, 10, 20 minutes later, I got the notice, hey, they're moving back up to 18. Right. And for that reason, if you're at home, you have tacos on the stove, be careful going and getting them because you don't know whether or not the Packers are going to make a move. Yeah. All righty. All right. Next question, Wes. We've heard a lot about the Packers, the need for inside linebacker. It's pretty clear cut that once you get past Isaiah Simmons, who's going to be drafted in the top 10 somewhere, maybe even as high as third overall to the Lions, I wouldn't put that past Detroit by any stretch there. The next two best at inside linebacker are Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen. Murray from Oklahoma, Queen from LSU. Now there's a really good chance both of those guys will be gone by number 30. But the hypothetical is if both of those guys are there at number 30 and those are the best guys on your board, if you're Brian Gutekunst, which one do you take? Okay, so that's a really good question. I would probably take Kenneth Murray uh, just because I think he's a little bit – now, don't, trust me here. I, I understand there's boomer bust prospects to both of these guys. Absolutely. Uh, but with Murray, I just think there's a little bit more hay in the barn. I think you have a little bit more, better of an idea of how he's going to project at the next level. Patrick Queen could be the best inside linebacker of this group, though, and I include you know Simmons in that who had an exceptional uh, combine. But you just, you know, I don't think there's as many, uh, as much information out there as there is with Murray, who's been a, a day one starter for the Sooners and, and made such a huge impact over the years. And certainly, uh, you know, is a guy that I think probably won't be there at 30. But if the Packers would want to trade up, you know, potentially could be there in the 20s. For that reason, I'm saying Murray. But I, Mike, I've said this all along. I go back to 2014. I look at this as Shazier and Mosley. I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those guys. I yeah. think both of them are going to be exceptional pros. Yeah, I think so too. It, it feels like you can't go wrong with either one. And I will also say that, as I have said in Insider Inbox, I don't think either one of these guys is going to be there at 30. I think they will both be drafted before the Packers are on the clock at 30. But I'm with you. I think I lean toward Murray just because of the experience factor. You have more to go on. Queen is a little bit more of a proje projection in terms of what type of pro he'll be. That's the, the funny thing, though, Wes, as much as it feels like you can't go wrong with either one of these guys, there's a pretty good chance based on draft history that one of these guys won't work out. So sure. 
Um, you know, if, if you are faced, whatever team, whether it's the Packers or someone else who, who is in the market for a player like that, which if you're faced with that decision, it's still kind of a 50, 50 call. Cause there's a, there, there's a chance that one of these guys for one reason or another could be injuries, could be anything else doesn't end up uh, working out. So, yeah. Yeah. And I can't, I, I would love to be able to ask Brian Gutekunst this question. I, I don't think you can because it's just too difficult uh, yeah. in terms of getting an honest answer, but there was that report out. I wish I could source the correct outlet that had it, but basically made the uh, uh, analogy um, drew the conclusion that for, you know, whether you use a first round pick on inside linebacker or a middle round pick, there really ends up being basically the same coin flip at that position of what that player is going to turn into at inside linebacker. It's a very difficult spot to project because yes, it's one thing to have the football IQ, but you have to have the athleticism in 2020 as well to be on the field, all three downs. You see that with Murray and queen. And that's the reason why we are talking about them as being those potential first round picks. Yeah. All right. My next question for you doesn't involve specific names of picks, but as far as positions, okay, you're Brian Gutekunst, you're sitting at 30 to pick. And when you are on the clock, the best players on your board are an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. And you have them pretty much rated the same. Which direction do you go? Probably going to go the defensive line route uh, because I think if you look the way that they're built right now uh, and how they're playing defense with Mike Pettin, the front is so important, Uh, not only to stopping the run, but, you know, they look for penetration. They look for guys to get up and and get after the quarterback from those interior one and three technique defensive tackles. So that's probably the way, way I'm leaning. I also think that when you look at what happened with Kenny Clark four years ago, uh, they were able to get a young prospect there, a hungry prospect, a guy that had a lot of upside, but was still only 20 years old at that time. And you've seen the player that Kenny Clark has become. I want to see them be able, as, as we talked about in our draft preview, position preview, I want to see them be able to use him more, not situationally because he's an every down player, but be able to kind of pinpoint different areas where you want to have Kenny Clark on the field. I think getting a defensive tackle does that. I believe as it stands right now, Ryan Wagner, or excuse me, Ricky Wagner is, a, is enough there to be able to hold down the fort at right tackle. As it stands for me, you're asking me that question, same player. I look at defensive line because that's where they put the assets and the resources in the past. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if that is ultimately the decision Brian Gutekunst is making at 30, I, I think he'd be inclined to go defensive lineman over offensive lineman for a lot of the reasons that you said. And, and as I've stressed, this draft is not about figuring out how to beat the San Francisco 49ers, but the Achilles heel of this Packers team a year ago was the run defense. And I think, I think if you have a chance, as I've continued to say all offseason, if you have a chance to get the next Kenny Clark at number 30, similar to how the Packers got Clark at 26 four years ago, I just don't think you can pass. Up. If you feel right. that way about that player, I just don't think you can pass that up for this defense and the long-term potential that you would have. Assuming you can re-sign Kenny Clark, you know, get him signed to an extension for the long-term and then have uh, you know, a first-round draft pick joining him side-by-side side potentially on that defensive line for several years to come, I think that's something that would be really, really hard to pass up. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and I just think of being able to get another type of player caliber uh, athlete like Clark, a first round, you know, pedigree uh, would be really valuable for them to have two of those guys that could play three tech 
uh, you know, get them in the nickel packages, get them in some of the dime packages or rotate them there. Uh, that would be really valuable right now. And that's where the money's at right now, Mike. You see it across the league. The Aaron Donald thing, that is for real. Teams are yeah. no longer just looking for the edge rusher. They're looking for a defensive tackle that can collapse the pocket. They got one of them with Kenny Clark. I think a second one could really do wonders for that defense as well. All right. A lot of talk, obviously, all offseason about the wide receiver position. Where do you think in this draft? And Brian Gutekunst, he said it after the NFC Championship game. He's looking to add at receiver. He did add Devin Funchess. I think he's clearly going to add at wide receiver in this draft, maybe with multiple picks. But my question for you right now is, where do you see the Packers picking a wide receiver? Do you think they'll pick one at 30? Do you think it'll be the end of the second round when their pick comes up at the end of the third round? When do you think Brian Gutekunst ends up choosing a wide receiver for the first time in this draft? I think second round. I think they okay. go back to the well. I think they go back to what has served them in the past. And, and that has been finding really legitimate, high-level caliber receivers in the second round. Randall Cobb, Greg Jennings, and now certainly you look at Jordy Nelson, what he did in 2008, and now the franchise, Devontae Adams. Yeah. I think you need, no matter how this shakes out, Mike, I think you need to use one in the first three rounds. The Packers have drafted a lot of receivers the last few years, a lot of them on day three. I would love to see them be able to bring in a guy. And, and as I've said all along, my whole thing is I'm not expecting them, especially in this climate, to come in and just set the world on fire as rookies. But I want to get a young guy with really high upside and ceiling in that receiver's room with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is the best resource a young receiver can have right now in the National Football League. He, he knows what it's like to come up. He's worked with some tremendous veterans before. He's willing and open with his information and, and ability to help. And, and the other thing is, too, that's great about it, you can find any franchise, all-pro, Pro Bowl receiver in this league. I, I mean this. Devontae Adams is about as humble as a guy as you're going to find that is a legitimate superstar now at his position. He yeah. is you – you ask any of these guys, not on the record, you can ask any of them off the record how open he is. That's why I think if you can get a guy in there that's a first or second round talent and have Adams show them the way and show them how this offense works with Aaron Rodgers, man, that would be incredible for that player's upside in the future. Yeah, I, I will say I agree with you for the most part. I think the most likely is maybe the second round pick, but I'll, I'll throw a couple of caveats in there. If my first prediction comes true that Brian Gutekunst trades back from 30 to somewhere in the mid to late 30s, I could see him, you, I could see him picking a wide receiver at the top of the second round because that's right where the Packers got Jordy Nelson back in 2008 when Ted Thompson traded back from 30 to 36. So while I don't think the Packers will necessarily use their 30th pick on a wide receiver, if that trade back into the top half of the second round happens, I could see it there. The other thing I will say is that because of the depth of the receiver position in this draft class, which we've been hearing about a lot in this entire pre-draft process from even before the combine, through the combine, and all the way up until now, the Packers pick at the end of the third round, it wouldn't surprise me if that becomes the first pick at wide receiver, because you might be able to get a guy there who would right. be similar to a guy that you would get at the end of the second round in another year. And maybe the first round pick, the second round pick is the focus on the big guys and offensive linemen, defensive linemen, for example, if those guys are there and then the wide receiver becomes the pick at the end of the third round because of the depth of the position. So 
I think just because this year is such a unique year in terms of wide receiver, as far as what the analysts are saying, that's where as much as Brian Gutekunst has talked about since the end of the season in 2019, adding at the wide receiver position, he may wait until very, very late on Friday night before he actually does so in this draft. Yeah, and I wouldn't have an issue with that whatsoever. The, the other thing, just to be the devil's advocate here, you could also make a case for that first-round pick the first time in 18 years using a first-round pick. This is an incredibly deep draft for receiver talent, so you're going to be able to get the pick of the litter in terms of what type of guy you want and taking him at that number 30 spot. And right. two, one of the reasons why the Packers always went second round and more recently went late rounds with receivers is because of how deep they were at that position. Not to say that they're not deep right now, but they don't have those proven assets like they did in the past when you knew every single summer it was going to be Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, or James Jones. That, that It's a little bit more wide open now. So if you do want to actually, as you were talking about in our intro here, bring in a guy to add to that room in that competition – the best way to get a top-end prospect is to use that first-round pick. Could be first time in 18 years where the Packers would look for a skill position player to take. Yeah, when you look at uh, the, the three receivers that were added a couple of years ago, that was still when you had Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb as your one-two. The Packers don't have that right now. So that, that's where, again, I think the equation is a little bit different at wide receiver in terms of uh, how they're looking at it now versus maybe in some past years. Okay. One more I'm going to throw at you, Wes. We'll wrap up on this one. The Packers are entering this draft with 10 selections, one in each of the first five rounds, and then five over the sixth and seventh rounds. How many selections do you think the Packers will actually make when this is all said and done at the end of the weekend? Yeah, 17, Mike. I'm going to go with 17. <laughs> so just just to make traits. your life complicated. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, I'm going to go with nine. I, I knew this question. We, we did not talk about this. The show is unscripted, but I knew this question was coming. I'm going to say nine because I think more than any other year, those sixth and seventh rounders are going to be valuable. Uh, it, not necessarily in terms of like, okay, you want to covet them and get as many as possible, but you're probably not offloading them the way they did in the past and throwing them in different trade packages. So I see them making – those five picks in the final two rounds. So I'm leaving myself with some leeway there for them to move up at some point, whether it's first round or second round, third round, you know, maybe taking one of those, either the fourth or the fifth and, and moving around a little bit, but I'm going to go with nine. I say they do make some kind of trade over the three days and they, they throw a pick in there to make it happen. Well, I had this question in this morning's insider inbox, which you probably haven't read yet because I know you were dealing with your dog and all of his barking before we turned on the cameras today. True. But I actually said in Insider Inbox, my guess would be nine. And I said, it's a total guess. I really don't know. But what I will say Oh, really? Say about, you don't? You're not sure? <laughs> what I will say about guessing nine is that this isn't going to be just one trade that turns it from 10 picks into nine. I think Gutekunst might make three or four or five trades in this draft where, you know, you might go back here and then up here and then back again another time. I just think when it's all said and done out of the 10 selections, he's going to end up with nine players. That's just my guess. But that being said, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up with 12 players. Yeah. It wouldn't shock <laughs> me if he ends up with eight, you know, I mean, th this That's could better. go, this yeah. could go any number of directions. Yes, I know. We're thinking about Please our not 12. for this weekend. 12, yeah, 12 would make for a, a, a long weekend. But as I said, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if that's, uh, if that's how this comes out. Again, we'll just, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. All the, all the predictions, all the analysis and everything goes out the window once that clock starts ticking on Thursday night. And then we really find out 
what these GMs and personnel executives think of these players. Because as you know, Wes, they've kept their opinions to themselves. All the stuff you hear out there, you never know if it's something legitimate or if it's just a smokescreen because these guys don't like their opinions to be, uh, to be out there in advance. We really start to find out come Thursday night. Yeah, and nor should they, Mike. It, it's an incredible business that NFL scouts and general managers work in. Now, general managers is a little different because it's a 365-day job. You're always looking at the roster. But in terms of these area scouts and these college directors, their entire year, their salary, all the money that they've, the organization has spent putting them in hotels and going to pro days, it all boils <laughs> down to this moment, getting as much information as you can. And certainly there's a benefit to that information in the long run, but in terms of you're studying for this test. So I, yeah, I wouldn't be giving away my secrets either. If I was, a guy, <laughs> you know, someone that's investing all my time and energy into these prospects. Now, that being said, and as you also mentioned, we don't know who the Packers are going to take, but it's always fun because especially in the first round and a little bit into the second, we all have our idea of who's going to be on the board. For example, I mentioned those players that every mock draft I've taken have been there. That's Brandon Ayuk, the receiver from ASU. Uh, that's Neville Gallimore. That's Ross Blacklock, the, the TCU defensive tackle that you like so much. Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State, the offensive tackle. Offensive tackle, uh, yeah. And Zach Bond from Wisconsin, who there's some questions about where he'll play at the next level, but considered a very explosive athlete. So as, is the, if the Packers sit at 30, those are all the names that are going to be in the back of my head. But there's always going to be that Kenny Clark or, uh, you know, even uh, Demarius Randall, guys that I did not anticipate being that pick end up getting the call. That's the beauty of the draft. That's the mystery of the draft. And it's the reason why we'll all be glued to our seats on Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will wrap up this edition of Packers Unscripted for now. I will just let all the fans know, be sure to stay with our website on Packers.com all the way through Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're going to have bulletin stories as soon as a pick is made. We're going to have instant reaction videos. We'll have more in-depth stories when we hear from the picks and hear from Brian Gutekunst on conference calls. We'll have three things videos. We'll have photo galleries and highlight packages all kinds of stuff. Every time the Packers make a pick, there's going to be a ton of content up there on Packers.com. So be sure to tune in. And between now and then, Wes and I are going to get some rest because it's going to be a busy three days. We are looking forward to it. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be working our tails off all the way along. So Weston, get your rest, man. It's, uh, it's finally here. These three days, it has arrived. I've been waiting for this moment, Mike. Give us some content. Give us some new prospects to talk about. It's going to be an exciting weekend. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in, everybody, to Packers Unscripted. We will see you next time.